Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. Uh, we had a fantastic show on Tuesday. Everything you could want in a show. Perfect dialogue, great flow, amazing rhythm, unbelievable guests, and we never run out of things to talk about. We resonate so well with one another, and uh, the show is so entertaining. You know, I uh, am more and more impressed every episode. It just keeps getting better and better. Uh, Obviously, a lot has happened here in these last couple days in the media. A lot to get to tonight, a lot of guests on. Uh, definitely a lot to establish. Uh, first and foremost, like I do every episode, I want to thank my audience. I want to thank my co-hosts, my sponsors, and guests. You are all incredible. The show is listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next N-E-X. Gen, G-E-N, USA.com. Also remember, a few announcements. Uh, my show will be getting picked up on a big national political radio network that reaches millions of people, and that will be starting here probably in the next three weeks, as well as in about a month or two, like I said, with, with, this, with this next thing I'm about to announce, we're a little behind on it, but as everybody knows, we are launching a 24-7 network with some very big names attached Many notable names doing their own shows. We have about 90% of the show slots filled up. Um, my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Those two guys will be the main faces of the network, so I can't wait to start that. And I'm just, I feel really privileged as well to uh, have, the, have this, what I was saying before, the big national political network that reaches millions of people interested in my show. So that's a big one too. So two big things uh, happening and uh, you know, just another platform, another platform to go on and uh, shine light and uh, get out there to the, uh, the large masses. That's for sure. Um, Let's see here. Thinking about announcements. Yes, there will be, there will be more stuff coming next week. I do have some stuff to, really get off my chest and share with all of you and some new plans for the show as well. Like I told you when we did our, when we did our 200th episode the other day, which was Tuesday, there's a lot of, there's a lot of plans for the future of this show. Uh, we definitely have a lot in store. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, different programs being put together. So uh, very excited to share that with all of you. Okay. Let's see. We got a lot of people on the line tonight. A lot of people. And I, I just want to give a shout-out and a moment of prayer and a silence for everybody affected by Hurricane Dorian. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing pictures. I'm seeing graphic video. It's breaking my heart. It really is what some of these people are having to go through. And obviously, we know that natural disasters occur. It's just the way life, the way, the way life is. But I tell you, uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, I, I feel for these people, you know, and what they're going through. It really is um, scary times in certain parts of our country. 
in more than one way, obviously. Um, I do want to welcome, I believe we have him with us right now, uh, Desert Storm veteran, columnist, activist, and radio show host, Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you? Eric, are you with us? Eric? Weird. Um, sorry, uh, sorry about that, Rory. I was muted. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. Absolutely, my friend. Good to have you here. Um, I also Thank you. would like to. I also would like to um, introduce a doctor, political activist, NRA member, pastor, and Republican congressional candidate for the 13th district of Ohio, Dwayne Hennon. How are you, sir? Welcome back. I'm doing great, Rory. How are you this evening? Uh, doing very well, sir. Great to have you here, as always. Thank you. Let's see here. Also would like to welcome to the show. I believe we have him with us right now. Um, we'll make sure it pops up across the screen. We have with us right now David David Weichel. Are you with us? Yes, sir. Glad to be aboard. Absolutely. And David, please, you're you're running against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina in the Senate, correct? That's correct. I'm running against Senator Graham in the 2020 Republican primary. Very nice. Well, I'm really we got a lot. You and I will have a lot to discuss tonight. I'm looking forward to getting into that. And uh, thank you, man. Good to have you back. Thank you for having me back. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I I would also like to introduce. Let's see here. Making sure. Vic, are you with us? Yes. Good evening, Roy. How are you? How are you, my friend? We got political activists, lobbyists, and uh, big patriot Victor. Victor, tell me one time how I pronounce your name, and I'll never ask again. Uh, Victor Severda. Okay, perfect. That's easy to remember. Well, it's great to have you on there the you show. Go. Great to have you. Great to have you join us. And uh, oh, thank you. You know, thank for, you people, for inviting me. For I look forward that, to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And for people that don't know, I met Victor at the Fourth um, of July Trump celebration. It was a really good time. Really a phenomenal event in, in D.C. Very really memorable. Fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. For sure, my friend. Um, so everybody, I wanna I, I wanna get into the opening story. Uh, we got a lot to get into, but I tell you, with what we're dealing with right now, and the political correctness, and you know the war with the media, with where the media and the left's priorities are, how they're taking us, and I talk about this on the show all the time. And I'll talk about it again. These people are taking us backwards and backwards every single day, the left. And they don't, they never quit. They keep picking, 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 picking. And they'll spin a story out of anything. They have a narrative in their mind to mess with the president. And that's exactly what they do. You know, there's so many different examples and, you know, things I want to dive into that, you know, involve the media and their dishonesty and 
the crap they spread. Because believe it or not, these left-wing politicians and these media people are really no different. They work for each other. They're in bed with each other. They're out for division. You know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's scary. It's really scary. I have a lot to get into on this, but I, I want to just read headlines real quick because we've been off for a few days, and just some things that have been in the news. Are obviously, no, obviously, the first thing I want to mention, which is which is big, uh, the boycott that everybody knows about. The Georgia, when Hollywood months ago was threatening to boycott their film production and their movies, you know, uh, being developed there. Uh, you know, it totally backfired. You know, we, we heard how the heartbeat bill in Georgia was causing all this controversy from the left and Hollywood, and they were, they were threatening not to work there. And I, I talked about this on the show months ago, and I'm like, how are they, they going to make these kind of threats? How are they going to actually follow through with this when in reality, pretty much a lot of – pretty much everywhere else for the most part is way more expensive to film. I mean, where are they going to film their? Where are they going to film their stuff? Los Angeles. You know, because think about it. Think about this for a second. These people live in a bubble, especially on the left, especially Hollywood, and they don't speak for most of America. You got a lot of these working class places with signature values, real American traditions, that don't don't condone, you know, this abortion crap. And I think it's hilarious the fact that, once again, liberals don't follow through with their word. Once again, they they make these petty threats, and it's BS. They just try to do it to fear monger. They try to do it to look superior, to look tough, look all hardcore. They try to put that over people's heads because they obviously give a huge amount of money to Georgia, I can imagine, because they film a lot of movies there. But there's a reason they film so many movies there, because it's so cheap. And it matches what they're looking for. I mean, the last thing these, these production companies want is inconvenience. They don't, they don't want to deal with, with all this co- the complex scenarios of having to relocate to all these different locations. Because they're not going to film where they, where they really want to film. I mean, most of these budgets can't film in L.A., or New York. I mean, there, there are movies that do film in New York and L.A., but it's not as common as, you know, the everyday movie. I mean, you have to have a big budget if you want to film in some of these huge cities that are pretty much all liberal. So, you know, I, I, I knew this was going to backfire. I knew this had no merit. I knew there was nothing for them to actually win on in the end. Because in the end, the governor of Georgia was not going to back down he was not going to, you know, he, he wasn't. I mean, you know, we're not going to have some, some, you know, 1% of the population, less than 1% out of Hollywood dictate what a different state does with their policies. I mean, come on. You know, and I think it's great. And, and the fact that these people don't follow through the Hollywood, that they're going to leave, is pathetic. And it, and it just proves more and more you guys are liars. Just like when you guys said when Trump would win, you guys would all leave. That was crap. That was a lie. 
You guys are still here. You guys are still bitching. You guys are still crying. You guys are still causing chaos in the streets, and you don't stop. It's like you guys are the opposite of the voices of reason. You guys try to think you are. You try to have this whole heroic and Superman mentality like you guys are above everybody else, and you should be able to tell other people how to live their lives. No, I don't think so. And whoever has an abortion after a heartbeat is detected is a pig. Whoever has an abortion, I believe it's, what, 12 weeks, everybody? But anybody that does it after that is a pig. There's no exceptions. Yeah, sure, if you want to play that game where it's pro-choice, you have up to 12 weeks. I think, I think that's a fair time to choose. Anything after that is what the devil would do. It's evil. It's inhumane. And I'm so sick of this argument back and forth with the left and right of the, the abortion topic. You know, it's, it's like, it, 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 it's very frustrating. You know, and I mean, l- let me give you other examples. I want to shift topics just a little bit. You know, we have, we have all this stuff going on in the media with gun control, all this cry, all this hysteria, all this crap. Every day, these politicians on the left politicizing all these events. Do they once ever talk about Chicago? Do they once ever talk about these gun-controlled cities in America run by Democrats that have Chicago, for instance, 40 shot this past weekend, seven dead, not a, not a word from the media, not a word. And just, just look, at, look at how the way things have taken over. We have Christianity being targeted every second. We have people getting offended and being politically correct and favoring second-class citizens over our own. Here's a crazy headline. You had a woman in her, that had a 9-11 memorial in her yard and was asked to take it down because of political correctness. This is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. 3,000 people died, and they want to call the people asking her to take it down, they want to call it obsolete. People's priorities are so bad these days. And it's the same kind of thing with the American flag being asked to come down. I mean, that's insane, too, in itself. And people are offended by actually the American flag. Give me a break. You have a major league soccer team now saying that they're getting rid of the Betsy Ross flag because they find it a sign of oppression and offensive. Well, then get the hell out of our country. If you don't want to play for our flag and play for our traditions, then get out. We have no use for you here. No use. And it's it's sad because everything I'm reading, it's backwards. It's completely backwards. You have people label, on the left labeling the NRA. This just happened in San Francisco. A unanimous vote labels the NRA a domestic terrorist organization. What? What is any? What's terror? What's terror? What the hell is terrorist about protecting yourself? About protecting your family? Protecting your rights? Give me an example of any NRA member that has ever taken advantage or disobeyed the laws with his guns. I could think of none to very few circumstances. 
But then you got all these criminals that get their guns illegally. And, and you know what? It, it's, it's like the NRA is like the only good guy in this gun battle. They're the only good, they're the only good guy. And it, it, it doesn't end. And I, I even, like I said on my show the other day, I asked a couple Democrat friends of mine, how can you logically give me an argument that, that actually has merit and meaning in the situation where you're going to put gun laws up, but how are you going to stop the millions of illegal guns already out there? And guess what? They had no answer for me. They're like, oh, well. And I'm like, no. I mean, if, if laws worked, we wouldn't have a drug problem in America. Think about it. We wouldn't. There would not be a drug problem in America if laws worked. Think about that. And what I will say, what I will say, though, at least black voters are waking up. There was a new article out this past week. Black voters are warning Democrats in inner cities like Detroit and a lot of these places where the black vote is very important that just because the Democrats keep saying anti-Trump rhetoric doesn't mean they're going to, the blacks are going to run out and vote for them. The black community has made it very clear that they don't see much of a message with the Democratic Party as of now, which means they've woken up. They, might, they may not like everything Trump does, but it's a hell of a lot better than what the Democrats are spewing. So I think we got a lot of good things going on. And I want to get back to, you know, I've been shifting everywhere because there's been so many things that have happened these last couple of days. But getting back to this with the media and the way they mislead us and the way they are totally off the wall. President Trump, for instance, gave a weather update about the hurricane this week. And he said Alabama will probably get affected. And then the media says, oh, no, they won't. President Trump is lying. And they make, they make these stories out of the smallest, most pettiest things on earth. I mean, we have so many other problems, and they're trying to worry and make a situation that isn't even in existence about how Trump made, made something up. He didn't make anything up. Alabama was going to get affected. I, I don't see – I don't see how the media can live with themselves with this sort of – I mean, these are fabrications after fabrication. It doesn't end. It's silly. This is like a comedy sketch. Seriously, guys, listen to this. As Hurricane Dorian pounds the East Coast, President Trump is taking a bit of a pounding in the media over his tweet after the storm had turned that Alabama would suffer the storm's effects and his subsequent show-and-tell defense of that forecast. Late this afternoon, the administration was still pushing back, with the president's Homeland Security advisor saying in a statement he showed the president all the possibilities on Sunday, ones that included Alabama. Tonight, Fox News media analyst and host of Fox's Media Buzz, Howard Kurtz, shows us the domino effect of reaction and overreaction. The question, how did a black squiggle on a map become a Category 5 controversy for the media? President Trump took some flack last weekend for saying that Hurricane Dorian might reach Alabama, contrary to the government's forecast. 
That issue came roaring back yesterday when video showed the president with a National Weather Service map from August 29th with a black line added by a Sharpie to include a slice of Alabama. Like it almost had like a Sharpie. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. A White House official said an unidentified person in the room added the squiggle as Trump met with his emergency team. The president has now tweeted another map saying almost all models predicted it to go through Florida, also hitting Georgia and Alabama. I accept the fake news apologies. Rather than apologies, he got a Washington Post report that changing official forecasts is illegal and a CNN headline that he's defending himself while people are dying. And apparently with the stroke of a Sharpie, an attempt by the Trump White House to rewrite weather history. Somebody doctored this map, folks. And, uh, and the White House is not denying it's the president. Some blame media hostility toward Trump. Everything he says and does is cross-checked and, and scrutinized yep. to reveal him to be stupid, or uninformed, or a liar. Others say he keeps relitigating every dispute. He's raging right now to anyone who will listen about media coverage, and yet none of us would be talking about his screw-up tweet about Alabama a couple days ago if he, somebody hadn't drawn that line with a Sharpie on the map. Trump is still at it, tweeting late today five- and six-day-old forecast maps. Just as I said, Alabama was originally projected to be hit. The fake news denies it. It was, well, a perfect storm. A press corps always on high alert for the smallest Trump misstep and a president who seemingly can't let go of even minor mistakes. And that made Sharpiegate a distraction from a major hurricane's destruction. It really is unbelievable how they can spin anything. And what they'll do is they will, anything he does, they will delegitimize it to the, to, to the, the low, I mean, the lowest standard. I mean, they, they will make it look like he is the devil. And that's what they do. They don't give him fairness at all. Like I said, 97% of the mainstream media is controlled by Democrats. You got that 3% that is fair to us. And I just, I can't, I, I hate watching, sit back, sitting back and watching this. And, you know, he just, for, here's another example. He just successfully got about $4 billion extra for the wall. And it's going to cover hundreds of miles. And what does the media do? They say he's trying to take it out of the FEMA fund, and he's trying to take it out of the wrong places and use it uh, in, 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 a, in the wrong way. It's, I mean, did they, they will spin anything. Like I said, this is ridiculous. Listen to this. He has to defend himself and say that the money is not from any of the wrong places like the FEMA fund. Here we go. There was some uh, concern that was voiced last week about reprogramming $115 million from the FEMA Disaster Relief Fund-based budget to address the crisis on the border. Are you still comfortable with that? Is there still? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, we're using much less here than we anticipated. We thought this was going to be a direct. Originally, this was going to be a direct hit into Miami, uh, and we're uh, we would have been satisfied anyway. No, we need to. We need help on the border. Oh, the numbers are really good. I want to thank again the country of Mexico. They have 25,000 soldiers right now protecting our border, and they've done a fantastic job. So we appreciate that very much. Uh, Mexico uh, has never helped us on the border, 
and they are now 25,000 soldiers. And you may want to talk about the numbers are down in half, I guess. Uh, yes, Kevin, sir. you want to mention that? Yeah, we're, we're compiling the August numbers now. We'll be releasing those early next week. Uh, but we're looking at a reduction of over 50 percent uh, from May uh, to today. Uh, continued partnership with Mexico. I just got back, Mr. President, from El Salvador last week where we signed a new agreement uh, to continue to work together on a regular migration. So we're getting a lot of partnership uh, from the countries in the region uh, with your leadership. Uh, and again, applying those resources at the border to enhance our security. And the wall is being built. It's going up rapidly. It's, uh, I guess most of you have been able to see it. We're uh, building very large sections of wall. Uh, it's, uh, a big factor was we just won the big Supreme Court case, as you know. And we have, uh, we're building in different sections. We're building different sections simultaneously. And we think by the end of next year, which will be sometime right after the election, actually. But we think we're going to have close to 500 miles of wall, which will be uh, complete. That'll be what we wanted to do is about 500 miles. That will take care of all of the areas that we wanted, including some of the marginal areas that we didn't necessarily need. But if we could, uh, could have gotten it done, uh, we were looking to do about a 500-mile stretch. We should have it almost complete, if not complete, by the end of next year. So we look Sorry, forward to Mr. that. Mr. President, have you consulted with members of Congress about reprogramming Yes, we have. Can, can we ask what you told those members of Congress? Well, I didn't tell anything. Secretary of Defense uh, spoke with members of Congress and explained it to them, and I think he felt uh, very good about it. He feels it's a national security problem. I do, too. Uh, it is when you have thousands of people trying to rush our country. I think that's national security. When you have drugs pouring into our country, I view that as national security. And uh, he had very good conversations with various members of Congress. You know, it's it's amazing. I mean, we we and and I have to I have to correct myself on something I said. There there is a very small amount coming from the hurricane relief fund, but it's nothing compared to what is actually being put out there from from the uh from the defense uh it's i mean we're we're this is like a four billion dollar deal that's going to cover hundreds of miles and they only got like a couple hundred million out of the defense uh, out of the fema fund the relief fund so i mean with the way the media tries to spin it's it's ridiculous it really is and guys i, I know i'm i'm going through a bunch of things right now because we're on it we're on a time frame tonight and i'm gonna get everybody's thoughts we have a lot of guests coming on, and I'm going to get to everybody. Uh, but I do, I do want to play this last clip, and this is uh, regarding something I was talking about earlier, which is our our values are at risk. Um, we're at war with Christianity, with our with uh, you know with with. I mean, I'm a Christian, and I'm worried about the future of this country. I mean, think about what our country was founded upon, the different values, the morals, the traditions. And that's all, in a lot of ways, slowly being taken away from us, from us by these evil politicians and these evil groups that are anti-American. They're communists. They're taking us back years and years, a history that we don't want to repeat. And, you know, I'll give you an example. You have Drew Brees, quarterback, New Orleans Saints, great guy, down to earth. He was encouraging students to take their uh, Bibles to school for – it was like a Bible, uh, some, some special day or something. And he gets targeted right away by the media saying, you know, all the, them saying all this stuff, saying he's anti-LGBT, he's anti-gay, 
you know, all this, all this hateful stuff they direct towards him simply because he's supporting the Christianity faith, supporting the Bible, and supporting what this country was founded upon. And, he has, and it, what's so sad is he has to go out there and defend himself. He has to go out there and answer to these schmucks that just want to shove this anti-American crap down his throat and say how bad he is. It's terrible. Listen to this, and then we'll all talk about everything I just kind of, uh, you know, discussed. We have, I know it was, it's been a lot, obviously, but uh, here we go. One five. Question is, were you aware of the group that was yes. starting this promotion? I was, I not, I was not aware of any of the, the things they said about uh, them lobbying uh, uh, for, you know, anti-gay, uh, any type of messaging or um, inequality or any, any type of hate um, type related stuff. I was not aware of that at all. Um, and, and, and again, that, the video itself was just focused on National Bring Your Bible to School Day. It was not promoting any group certainly not promoting any group that is associated with that type of behavior. Because I know that there, unfortunately, there are Christian organizations out there that are involved in that kind of thing. And to me, that is, that is totally against what being a Christian is all about. Being a Christian is, is love, it's, it's forgiveness, it's respecting all, it's accepting all. It's everything that I said in, in the video that hopefully you guys saw and everybody else will. So what's a shame is that people will make headlines just to get hits, just to get views, and all of a sudden, these rumors spread that are completely untrue. Um, so, shame on them. That kills um, your message, didn't it? Yeah, for, for well, the kids. Well, actually, we're sitting here talking about National Bring Your Bible to School Day. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. It's October 3rd for for anybody that, that wants to know. Um, so, um, and, and and it's ironic that that type of hate is brought on 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 me, someone that has nothing but support for for all people. Um, and and isn't that the message that we're trying to send? Is, is not to engage in that type of behavior. Jesus Christ. Look at what we're dealing with. Um, Eric, I'll start with you. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it, it really boils down to you've got a, a secular culture that simply has to disrupt what has been normal. They have to uh, continue to get the low-educated voters, the ones, you know, the millennials and the the ones at the universities and the, the ones that, the, the few people that do watch CNN, the, it, it, fact is t- totally out of the picture at this point. It simply comes down to postmodernism or to your existentialism. My existence and what I deem to be true is should be true. Unless there is, you know, then, then collectively they'll bring all of that dysfunction, uh, that dysfunctionality into a groupthink. And then that group think will then say, like at the match, you know, the soccer contest in, in Utah, oh, there's a Betsy Ross flag. Oh, we've decided that that now is racist. So you corporations, hockey, soccer team owner must comply with the group think. Even though nobody in our group think watches your soccer team, we're going to put the pressure on you. And for some reason, you're going to fold because you have no backbone. So. President Trump, we've said it a hundred times on the show, could cure cancer. They would say he didn't do it right or it cost too much money. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point. Now, President Trump's interesting because he likes to go back and forth. He likes this, back, you know, this tit for tat. And, and for me, it's kind of exhausting. So I don't really follow what he said and what did they say and what did he say because it's, it's counterproductive. In the end, we need to be focusing on is Texas going to stay red? What's happening with the 1 million felons in Florida that can now vote in 2020? 
So I'm hoping we don't get too distracted with this, but the left is not in a position to ideologically agree with anything that is traditional valued, that is Christian, that is conservative. And in, in their group thinks they have to determine that we're going to push open genders. We're going to push, and these are the, these are the words you say if someone doesn't like an illegal alien coming across, well, then they're anti-immigrants or they're anti-color. Right. So they, right. they have their little talking points, and they just repeat it over and over, and they do it. And Facebook and Twitter and all of them obviously are controlling how much of their speech goes out versus how much of ours is not going out. And so this is going to continue. I'm just hoping that we stay focused as we the people I actually, real quick, I actually changed my show from being politics only to Christian, Christian politics. Because the church, if the church could repent and get its act together and vote like we did with George W. Bush, we could be the unseen wave that could come out and, and put this election away. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on, too. But no, there, there, there won't be anything positive. There won't be anything logical. And just like in the book of Judges, what was right became wrong, and what was wrong became right, and we're seeing it in our times too. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, let's go to David. David Weichel, go ahead. Your thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm the the culture war is becoming this huge thing that is going to drive moderates uh, who would ordinarily side with Democrats and might consider them, themselves liberals into the arms of uh, the right and the Republicans and Trump. And it's stories like this. It's stories like how um, – they're trying to ban Chick-fil-A at colleges. Um, they're banning Chick-fil-A from airports. And, you know, the culture war is just evolving into this ugly thing that is making um, the left and um, the hard left look insane. And with every uh, step, into this minefield, um, conservatives, traditionalists, people who are just not uh, Bernie Sanders or his supporters uh, look more and more sane, and it's going to help um, ensure a, a hard right victory, I think, in 2020, especially if things keep getting amped up uh, with things like this. It's, it's really getting to be quite ridiculous. No, I agree. No, I agree with you 100%. Very, very, very well said. Um, let's go to uh, Dr. Hennon. Go ahead, my friend. Your thoughts. Yes, my, my thoughts is, is this. I agree with Eric on the whole fact that we need to get back to where um, you know we became a Christian movement. My whole campaign revolved around one thing. I, I have these hats that I, I give out and I sell to some people that say, make America godly again. That's got to be our focus. Um, you know, it, it's funny how, um, you know, a lot of the liberals are pointing at Christians as being intolerant. When you look at, uh, you know, you read the Gospels through, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see where Jesus was the most tolerant of everybody. I mean, sinners of the worst kinds. And yet he loved on them. He accepted them. He brought them in. 
None of his disciples were the perfect people. Uh, you know, God's not looking for perfect people because none of us are perfect. Uh, and, and I think, you know, sometimes the only way you can really change that narrative is actually by living it out, living it out in the open and, and showing people that, hey, you know what, we're not afraid to stand as Christians. Rather, we're going to stand up. We're going to stand up for what's right. I always tell my kids, do what's right because it's the right thing to do, not because it's easy thing to do. And I think that's what it is. We, you know, we just got to continue to do what's right and push through. And, you know, it's a, hey, the left uh, is going to come at us every step of the way. Uh, we can't give into that. We just got to keep pushing forward and say, you know, look at the insight and say, you know what, uh, the insight is this, is we've got to be the ones that are carrying the torch for this country. We've got to be the ones that are standing up and being the voice for, for God in America. Yeah, no, very well said. No, you're absolutely right. Um, Vic, Vic, go ahead. Hello. Uh, so I'll try to make my points uh, short and sweet to the point. I don't follow politics very closely. However, I do agree with a few of the op- uh, topics discussed. My views don't stray very differently or far from what's been discussed. I'll bring it back to the media coverage and with the hurricane and the poor journalism that we have nowadays. It's impressive that as soon as Trump was elected, the media took a far left swing, went very, very far left, and to the point of disagreeing with almost everything, very minute uh, things, including the hurricane squiggly line that was on the map. So I believe that most of this can be directed towards and seen from who uh, that these are, this is actually getting sponsored from, the opponents of Trump, um, not coincidentally about that. And then about the wall, I believe that it is important to reinforce our borders. Um, and if there is willingness to seek protection in the country, it is important to seek asylum within the country legally. As I come from a family of immigrants, and we thought to come to this country legally, ethically, and morally. And I believe that should be imposed through every member who seeks to come into this country. And it's, it's uh, great to see that Mexico and the Southern American countries are contributing to providing their soldiers on the wall to help bring the bring other countries uh, working together with the U.S. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, very well said. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I agree. I agree with you. Um, we'll go to Mike Peters, and then we're going to go to Matt Margolis. But uh, Mike Peters, go ahead, in New York. Rory, I just came in on the show, so I'm not even sure of the topic, so I'll hold off till the next round. All right, I'm just getting up to speed good. with you. Thanks. All right, he sounds good, my friend. Great to have you here. Let's go to – I do want to welcome him to the show. Here we go. We got columnist, activist, author of the best-selling books, The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama, and The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama, and also Trumping Obama, his new book, Matt Margolis. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. Excellent, man. Um, first of all, obviously, you probably have some thoughts of what we were discussing, and then I want to get into some of your book details. Well, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, everyone else is kind of hip and nail on the head that, uh, you know, that this is a very important election coming up. And I think uh, uh, we shouldn't, uh, as confident as we are that, you know, people might, uh, that, that people can see through the left, you know, BS and all that, uh, you know, I, I think it's important for us not to uh, take it for granted. Uh, and we have to really fight to make sure that 
uh, people get out there and vote and uh, people understand that the media is not going to tell the truth and we have to make sure that we get the truth out there. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I agree. It, it is one of those things and it's scary because uh, there's so much fake news and you get so much gullible people in this country that don't know what to believe when they read stuff. And, you know, it's one of those things. And um, it's really that the, these tech companies really need to be held accountable too. They're really the, re- they're the real threat uh, in my strong opinion. Um, but uh, tell, tell us what's going on. You haven't been on the show in a while. Obviously you have a new book out, but what else is going on? Oh, well, that's the big thing. The new book came out on uh, July 30th and, you know, just been doing what I can to promote that. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I have my column or I write regularly at uh, PJ Media and uh, just trying to do my best to get the truth out there. And uh, actually, it's funny because just the other day, uh, Facebook decided to once again throttle me. Uh, I'm in Facebook jail again. I can't share links or anything for uh, about seven days now. What happened? What'd you do? Oh, you know, I'll get with promote promote my stuff. You know, I write an article, I share links, and spread get it out there. And I guess uh, they don't like that. You know, and that's happened to me too. If I like share my show on too many groups, or you know, it, it's like they're babysitting us. It's it, it's ridiculous. Like you, you know, if. And, you know, the Trump, the Trump, you know, my show has a big Trump logo on it. And the minute they see that, you know, they're, you know, I've been censored quite a few times. And I was banned for like a month at a time. I've been banned probably like four or five times in the last year. I, I, I can't stand it. I mean, the, the way the conservatives get treated on, on these platforms and the way liberals can act and, and nothing happens to them, it's, it's the worst double standard in the world, Matt. <laughs> It is. I mean, all I'm trying to do is promote my my uh, my my articles and promote my books. And uh, you know, what's the problem? You know, I mean, if liberals think that uh, you know that they're, they're, the truth is on their side and they shouldn't be afraid of different opinions getting out there, uh, but the truth is is that they are afraid of uh, alternative opinions because uh, they know that their their own don't stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Um, you know, and um, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, tell tell us about this book, though. Tell tell us about trumping Obama. Obviously, there's been a lot of reports out lately about with this IG report, and there was just a new report out how Obama and Biden um, were briefed on the private Trump meeting before Comey fed the details to the FBI team investigating the fake Russian collusion hoax. So obviously that's something that will go into Obama's crooked legacy, but your book puts all of that pretty much into perspective. Well, what my book does is uh, uh, I go through uh, various things that, that Donald Trump has done to erase uh, actions that were, t- that were taken by Barack Obama. And yeah. uh, the, the reason why I wrote the book was in 2016, I was a Trump skeptic. I, I, I was not, I did not support Trump for the longest time. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I was not happy about Trump running. I didn't think that he was something that conservatives should be should trust. Uh, and uh, as a Trump skeptic, I have since been 
convinced that that he is actually the conservative fighter that we needed. Uh, yeah. Very. I, I mean, I really don't think there's been we can point to any other Republican president that has been as effective as he has in essentially fighting for conservative values. Uh, right. It's. I mean, when when you look at everything that he's done and then, and everything I've cataloged in in the book, you know, we 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 see lots of presidents that that take office and and their big thing is undoing the the record of their predecessor or trying or trying to erase this program or that program uh and what we see time and time again is that it's very hard to undo things that have happened by uh in, in previous presidencies but what we've seen trump do is actually succeed in doing that you know he he's been uh deregulation alone has been has been phenomenal but uh I mean, here, here's the guy who said that he was going to get rid of the nuclear, uh, the Iran nuclear deal, which was which was a terrible deal. He he did. He and he got out of the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, you know, I don't think many other presidents would have done that. Uh, you know, he he might have taken a lot of heat for it, but I mean, the truth is that the, you know, everything that he's done ha- has has been good for the country uh, with regard to, especially with regard to. Uh, things that he has done to uh, a race that that Obama has done, and I think that's an important message for for 2020. I think uh, people need to realize that uh, the the country was in bad shape after eight years of Barack Obama, and you know we we should be uh, thank, thankful every day that Donald Trump won, because I don't want to I don't I can't even imagine how bad this country this what bad a shape this country would be in if uh, if he hadn't pulled it off. Yeah, I, you know, and you're absolutely right. You know, it, just imagine, I mean, if Hillary Clinton would have won, you know, all this corruption would have never came out from the Democrats. I mean, we would still uh, be living with, you know, a lot of these, I mean, just one of many examples is a lot of these, a lot of these deep state people are, are gone. I mean, not all of them, but there's a good amount that are, were pushed out. Uh, same sort of thing with these Hollywood elites like Harvey Weinstein and all these people with big names that got exposed, and a lot of that had to do with Trump. And, you know, you look at how Trump has just came into this situation and made such a huge impact, and it's as profound as it gets. I mean, and it's so significant, especially with the times we're living in. And I've never seen anything like it. I mean, this guy has fulfilled in about three years – 80% 80% of his agenda, almost 80%. It's unbelievable, his promises. This guy never stops. I mean, every day, Matt, it seems like he's delivering on something new, you know? Yeah, I mean, just uh, this past week, he got rid of those stupid uh, light bulb regulations uh, from, from the yeah. from the Obama years. I mean, you know, so... Uh, yeah, it's I even mean, the it's, smallest it, things, you're right. It's even the smallest things like that, you know? Exactly, and and I I hope that more and more people uh, can appreciate this because you know for for so long I mean for eight years Obama kept getting government more and more into our lives, and and Trump has uh, has basically been been taking them back out, you know I mean he he's been, been dismantling Obamacare he's been uh, I I mean all these things that have ha- that have happened I mean uh, with, Donald Trump has. has has literally saved us from Obama's legacy. If had Hillary won, nothing would have changed. She would have kept going in the same direction, and then it would have been impossible to undo all that. 
Trump got Trump uh, came in at the at the right time, uh, and he's there fighting for conservative conservative values and, and for causes. And you know, thanks to him, we have you know two conservatives, more conservatives on the Supreme Court, and possibly another one next year. Uh, I think uh, you know that, that this is something that we really needed. And you know, Trump, as I said before, I was a Trump skeptic. He was not the guy that I had originally wanted. But you know, he right. he's convinced me that he was the one that we needed. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I hear you. And it's one of those situations where, you know, um, he came in at the right time and he and he saved all of us. He really did. Um, tell us, tell us though about this book. Some of the some of the things that you really dive into. Obviously, some of the most significant uh, scandals that Obama has dealt with, and obviously the things that Trump outdoes him at. Well, um, the scandals, the Obama scandals I really covered in uh, my previous book, The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama. Uh, You know, this I really focused on the um, policies and and other uh, actions by by Obama that that uh that Donald Trump uh set, you know set about uh, reversing uh and I think that's uh um you know it really tells a good uh it it really paints a, a good picture of, of just how important that election was I mean we're talking about things on immigration you know he's um he ended uh, DAPA you know and, and uh he 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 did uh, try to get rid of DACA it's, it's still being hung up in the courts but at least he's done something uh you know he, uh, the the ridiculous uh, transgender rules that he'd come up with uh you know Obamacare has been dismantled and uh you know there's just so many things that uh, just I felt needed to be compiled together in a book so that people would really get the big picture I mean, a lot, all these ridiculous uh, environmental regulations that Obama had, you know, his, his, his war on coal, fracking, uh, all these things, um, you know. And, and another thing that I think uh, a lot of people don't seem to realize is, you know, that the narrative has been, oh, you know, Trump is a Russian puppet, blah, 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 yeah. But, you know, <laughs> uh, one, I, have a whole, I have a whole chapter in the book about how uh, Trump has been much tougher on Russia than Obama ever was. You know, Obama and Hillary Clinton were all about the Russian reset. You know, they're the ones that, uh, you know, uh, approved the uh, uh, Uranium One deal. And, you know, uh, you know, Obama was all, you know, I'll have more flexibility after my election to do what you want, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I go over all this in the book. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that uh, is important, not just for fans of Trump, but for, uh, you know, really uh, who I, the people who I really feel should read it are the never-Trumpers, the ones that thought that he wasn't going to be a, conser- a, cons- a true conservative, the ones that, that when you hear them talk now, they sound like liberals, even though they claim to be conservatives. Well, if you're conservative, if you still call yourself conservative, read the book and, and, and then tell me that you don't think that Trump has been a, a conservative fighter. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, you know, it, it sounds like the way you, you know, title the book, Trump, Trumping Obama – I mean, it, it explains the entire title, how Trump outdoes Obama, right? Right, and uh, the, you know, on the cover is an illustration of uh, of Donald Trump with the with an oversized pencil, er, literally erasing Obama from existence. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And, and explain uh, the the the, um, the response, you know, from the both sides, 
from the right and the left on this book. Obviously, I know you probably get trolls from the left that try to say stuff about it, but then you also get a lot of people that support it in our party. Well, you know, uh, a lot of the reviews I've seen on Amazon have been very positive. Uh, uh, There was at least one uh, uh, bogus negative review, and I certainly get plenty of flack on on uh, Twitter and on Facebook from from people who, who are just scared of the facts getting out, who think that Obama was the Messiah and uh, and that uh, Trump is Satan, and uh, you know the, the, it's they they really can't get out of that mindset, and it's unfortunate because you know I think that uh, it's important for uh, this country to be able to for both sides to be able to join together and have a dialogue. And if we yeah. can't have a, an honest discussion about the records of our presidents, uh, then I think we're in big trouble. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And please, Matt, please tell everybody where they can find this book. Uh, well, uh, with any luck, you might be able to find it in your local bookstore. Otherwise, you can go to uh, Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com and, and uh, get the book there, or you can just go to uh, TrumpingObama.com. It'll take you right to the Amazon page. And, Matt, where can everybody else find your other work? Uh, well, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just go to uh, Matt Margolis Author, and, uh, you know, and I write uh, fairly uh, consistently over at uh, PJMedia.com. Perfect, Matt. Uh, Matt, stick around if you can. Uh, we'll definitely have a lot more to get into tonight, but uh, I always love hearing from you, and I'm happy the uh, the book is going well. Thank you. All righty. We're going to go to a commercial, everybody. We'll be right back. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of Endless Apps. Endless Apps, every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Great to be back with all of you. We uh, have a good guest on the line. We have on the, on the line right now, Chairman at the Constitution Party of Massachusetts, Vice President at Freedom Coalition of Massachusetts, and popular talk show host, Dave Kopax. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. I hope I pronounced your na- last name right. Kopax? Yep, yep Kopax. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me on. Absolutely. Your first time on the show, uh, Dave. I, I love your show. I watch your show. Um, but obviously, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, when my guests first come on the show, I like to get a bio and how it all started for you, all the different chapters you've been through in life, all that good stuff. Oh, boy. Well, I'll try to make it short because I am just a simple but angry uh, country boy. got over the shyness here, so I commend you for getting out there and kind of taking the bull by the horns and talking up some important subjects. But um, I was pretty much born here in Western Mass, and I have uh, two sons. My youngest is 26. My oldest is 28. Uh, homeschooled my kids. Um, boy, I think it was like fifth, sixth grade. I pulled them out, and I couldn't believe what our public schools had become. Uh, I've cut them out to child abuse about now. Uh, so I homeschooled them. It was the uh, toughest thing I probably ever did uh, for my kids, but uh, the best thing I could have done for them at the same time. Um, went to college, have a degree in the environmental sciences. I've uh, worked in private, uh, uh, the private world. I've worked for municipalities, um, worked for myself. And let's see, boy, I, I tell you, I just woke up. Um, as I um, began to uh, do more reading and researching on my own, broke loose from the mainstream media and started reading alternative sources and making up my own mind on things, I realized that we were really in an awful lot of trouble. So I'm in a position right now where my kids are adults. I don't have to worry so much about uh, ramifications there. They're grown up and take care of themselves. So I spend a great deal of my time when I'm not working. My free time is pretty much committed to what we're doing here tonight, getting the word out and trying to reassociate and reground people in the Constitution. It's, uh, the solution to all our problems is there if we just assert those rights and uh, make sure that our elected officials follow suit. We've, we've letting them get away from us right now. We've got a, a heck of a problem on our hands. It took decades to get here, and I expect it's going to take uh, decades and generations to get us out. But we do have to start. I think, um, again, what we're doing here is uh, quite important. In I can't trust the mainstream media. Uh, we got to be the media. You're just a little bit. Oops, sorry about that. Let me see if I can get a better position here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is an, um, a very important thing that you're doing. I commend you for that. Um, one of the critical 
missions, I think, for all of us is to not uh, not abandon the youth, not forsake the youth. Uh, we're pumping out kids out of our public schools right now who hate yeah. their country, don't know what bathroom to pee in, and they're begging for us to give up our rights. So something has gone terribly wrong with a family unit. Uh, we've yeah. uh, let too much out of our local control to the the government to handle, and it's starting to show. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, tell, tell, us, tell us about, obviously, you've been involved with the Freedom Coalition uh, of Massachusetts, and you are the, currently the chairman at the Constitution Party of Massachusetts. Tell us about those two things. Well, I, I belong to a group called Faith and Freedom, and their primary uh, goal is to try to empower uh, many of the churches out there. The pastors are afraid to, um, well, preach the Bible. Hate speech laws have had a terrible, terrible chilling effect. Is it only takes one activist to stand up in the church and sue a pastor uh, because he advocates uh, what it says in the Bible about marriage, um, things like that, can be construed as hate speech according to modern law. So we try to empower uh, pastors and people of faith not to be afraid to uh, to speak boldly. Uh, that this is what the people need. So that's kind of what that group's about. And I've spent many years in Republican politics trying to make a difference. I I was a duly elected delegate twice to the National Convention. I've uh, been very active in Republican politics for quite a few years. But the, the system is so horribly broken and those in control here, at least at this point in the game, are are liberals running the Republican Party. So I really got tired of watching a lot of my colleagues just taken on the chin, uh, whether it was election rigging or whatever happened. The, the grassroots was rarely allowed to participate unless it was to write a check for the party. So... I branched off. I took uh, some of my own uh, colleagues that I've worked with for, for many years, and we decided that we're going to uh, revive the state's Constitution Party and begin our, our own ground game. And that literally starts at the municipal level where we can make a big difference. I've often said some of the worst of the worst we vote on to ourselves in a municipal town meeting, which happens once or twice a year in every municipality. So we're encouraging people. Uh, Many activists are intimidated when you get into the uh, larger uh, uh, state and national politics. So we know that anything great is going to be built on a solid foundation. So we're starting right in our communities. Uh, We're showing people how to defend their rights when their rights are even coming under attack, such as property rights happens in every town meeting, every year without fail. So uh, we're putting people in the place at the local level who are then going to be our, our our teams moving forward as we start snapping up state rep seats, senator seats. Um, these are going to come from, uh, from teams that are already formed 
and colleagues made in the local um, offices. Really excited to be part of it. We're not on the hook with the establishment in either party. Uh, we're underpinned by the Constitution, so our our platform, our uh, campaign messages, they're not going to change much. All right, the the party system seems to like to change what they stand for every campaign season. Uh, for us, we're the most apolitical political party out there. And uh, it's an exciting time to be part of it and absolutely essential in my estimation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, Massachusetts, you know, explain – obviously, I know it usually goes Democrat. But how 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 far off is is the republic? You know, I mean, what what's the percentage? Would you say sixty forty, republic Democrat over Republican? How would you give it a number? Well, here in Massachusetts, the uh, largest percentile goes to the unenrolled. So there's a lot of people that um, obviously weren't served very well by the the two parties, and uh, they, there's a lot of unenrolled, and they make up the majority. Um, the liberals have close to a monotypic control at the state house. Uh, they got a supermajority there, and Republicans, uh, you know, their numbers have dwindled and they're getting uh, lower. And it's due to compromise. We have compromised away our, our, our ideals, our values, the things that we actually stand for, have become bargaining chips. And boy, if the Republicans here in the state. Uh, paid for it dearly. So it's yeah, unenrolled, and, Democrat, Republican, in that order. Yeah, no, and, you know, how, you know, in, in terms of the people involved with your organization, I mean, is there a chance, you know, with that, with all the, the political activism going on in your state, I mean, could it, could it ever go back, could it ever be red? I mean, or do you think it will forever be blue? I, it's going to take a long time. Uh, we've got career politicians, uh, some of the most uh, uh, corrupt uh, agencies have uh, blossomed around them. Uh, so we've got our work cut out for us, no doubt about that. Um, it's going to take a, um, a real cleaning out of the Republican Party here in Massachusetts. Um, we have got uh, – boy, I tell you, I look back uh, – in my family and my upbringing, it's kind of odd, is that most of the men in the family were Republicans and most of the women were Democrats. And it did make for a lively debate at the dinner table once in a while, but they were normal, civil Democrats and Republicans. It's not the polarized systems that we see today. So, you know, we it could happen, but there's going to have to be a big change. And it's got to be a focus on the youth. We've got we're, our schools are pumping out entitled little socialists faster than we could ever convert them. They're they're tapping into our kids at an age where you know it's that natural rebellious period. I'm not so old that I don't remember uh, that myself. But at this point, when the kids uh, are coming into maturity and they hit that rebellious age where they rebel against authority. Um, man, their their heads are being filled with this progressive nonsense. And if we don't slow that down, I don't know how we get access to the uh, schools other than to encourage kids to form 
uh, conservative and constitutional clubs on campus and uh, try to get in that way because I've tried eight ways from Sunday to get in and, and address these kids, and, and the schools are on lockdown for our message. Right. And, you know, you've obviously been, you know, around politics for a while. Have you ever seen hostility to this level? I mean, I, I sure as hell haven't. I mean, this is – we're living in a time like I've – you know, I see violence and hostility and, you know, just all this stuff to an all-time high. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, you're right. We are in some unique times. We have a lot of legislators out there who are actually enticing and encouraging violence like this. Uh, the stuff with the illegals, we have candidates, Democrat candidates here in Massachusetts, whose campaign material is evidence uh, against them for violations of Title VIII, Section 1324. You know, it, what we're seeing here is unprecedented, and I think it has to be. There's no um, – uh, the Democrats, by and large, are progressives. I, I've grown accustomed to uh, making sure that people recognize there's a difference because there are some normal Democrats still out there, and I encourage them to walk away. Um, so we've got to give them a little wiggle room. But, man, is it going to take some time, and we've got to start with the youth. Yeah, I sure would love to see Massachusetts get back to the JFK uh, system, uh, you know, because JFK was, he was truly for everybody. And if he was alive today, he'd be for Trump. I mean, he was a conservative Democrat. And I think that's what the state of Massachusetts needs. I mean, they need a, a conservative. They they need somebody to, to take the, back that state. I mean, you have people like Pocahontas representing you in the, in the Senate. And I just, I'm like, this is not what, Massachusetts is such a great state. It deserves so much better. Yeah, yeah, our attorney general has gone right off the reservation, too. Um, so we, we've got people in high positions who yeah. are uh, putting things on, on lockdown, and if they cannot uh, pull off what they're trying here with right. Trump. Um, I yeah. never, you know, the, Trump's been, uh, he's gone both ways on some important issues, uh, abortion, some of his talk of the Second Amendment as of late has made me a little nervous, but... I have to give him credit. Um, he is, I think, the only president in, in my lifetime uh, who has not been a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is uh, one reason why I gave him a, a serious opportunity to prove himself here. I hope he, he continues this draining of the swamp, securing the border. Um, I want to make sure this Epstein thing, uh, this grows legs and sees the bright light of day is we have some yeah. very dirty people in the high-level yeah. politics that are doing right. some horrible things to children. And you have, you, have a, you have a talk show. You know, speaking, speaking of this whole Epstein thing, I'm sure you've talked about it many times. What do you make of it, man? I mean, it's, you know, it, it's just crazy. And we're seeing more and more stories come out every day. You know, you, you, now you have a guy that was running a modeling agency that had suddenly disappeared. Apparently, he had all this information on the Epstein situation. It's so weird. And then the cameras outside the cell were broken. I mean, come on. Yeah, that, that whole thing stinks to high heaven. But you have a, a deviant group of people that has gotten so comfortable, especially the Epstein types that have 
uh, seemingly endless money to buy them themselves uh, silence and freedom. Um, but you're dealing with a criminal element here. There, there's no honor among thieves, and they're quick to throw each other under the bus. And I think we're starting to see that as pressure is brought to bear. But this has been institutionalized. This is uh, not new stuff. If you uh, look back at uh, you know, the Franklin scandal, the uh, Brownstone operations that took place, it was actually, I, I believe, Reagan was president and George uh, Bush, Daddy Bush, um, was vice president just left CIA, and this child trafficking uh, became a way of life in politics. It's the way they get blackmail. Uh, that's what the whole uh, Franklin scandal was all about. But it, it continued. It, corruption, we use that word so often. When corruption is allowed to exist, it gets stronger, it corrupts more people, and becomes a self-protecting system. And, and I've uh, said frequently that you've got to treat corruption as if like when you're walking through your house and you look down and you see something plugged into an outlet that is uh, starting to catch on fire. You know, you don't say, well, it's only a small fire and walk away. You stomp it out. And we've got to uh, do the same thing with corruption because it, is, it does become a self-protecting system. Uh, and that's why it's so entrenched, widespread. Uh, we have child trafficking, I'm finding out now, through um, local uh, projects that I'm doing for a municipality. Uh, we're on a special committee, a task force, to deal with the density of pedophiles, level three sex offenders that we have. And that led me to a couple of places where it's institutionalized, and our child protective services is one of them. Now, this is something... You're not going to find a politician, Democrat or Republican, that's going to want to touch this because it's a billion-dollar industry. There are many people that make money off from this, and they, they just don't want to touch it. It's a hot potato. Right. No, yeah, very well said. Uh, we do have about a minute or two till we got to let you go and go to a commercial, but please tell everybody about your show. Obviously, your show is doing, doing well. You, you've, uh, you're very good at it. I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, you have a good friend of mine uh, coming on the show this weekend, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. I was just uh, at his office last week. Um, he's running for sheriff again, 87. He's as authentic as they get in this life, the best guy in the world. Yes, we had him out two years ago. I do an annual Flag Day Second Amendment rally, and uh, Sheriff Joe came out. He's a great guy, and um, I'd say authentic is a good way to describe me. He tells it like it is. But, um, yeah, I do a show every Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, called Red Pill Politics. That started as a uh, homeschool project for my kids. I, I got them involved in an extracurricular uh, project, and they got a program accepted at a, a local radio station. And I figured since I had to drive them there, I might give it a shot myself, and I did. I loved it. Uh, people encouraged me to keep going. So uh, my wife and I now, we, we have a really good time talking up all those important issues, national, state level, local stuff, uh, but getting the issues out there and, and creating a, a public debate. Uh, and, and, and I'm just really enjoying it. It's a, a new adventure here with all the uh, technology available to us. Um, so 
So we're having a great time. The show's growing, and and uh, we're looking forward to uh, continuing. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, we definitely want to have you back soon, um, and uh, we definitely loved having you. Please tell everybody where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Yeah, we're on all the social platforms. You can uh, get us on YouTube, uh, anyone with Fire Stick, uh, the Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, we're now broadcasting on Oath Keepers TV. So download that app. You can get it that way, ipmnation.com. Um, and all the social media, we're out there everywhere. And like you, I get shut off about once a week on one or two of them. So um, <laughs> you got to be patient. We're pumping it out everywhere we can. Nice, nice, my friend. Well, we'll talk soon, and I'll definitely have you back soon. Thank you, my friend. Excellent. Thank you for the invite, and you guys have a blessed night. You too. Take care. We will be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. 
everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Stoddard Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. Thank you all. Thank you to all our guests. Uh, The show has been fantastic so far. Still got a lot to get into. I know I have people on the line. I will be getting to you. Um, I promise we still have a a while left in the show, so everybody will have a good amount of chance to talk. I do want to welcome to the show right now, I believe we have him with us, uh, lobbyist, political activist, and regional coordinator at the Students for Life of America, Nick Safwa. Hey, Nick, is that how I pronounce your last name, Safwa? No, um, that's actually an acronym for Students for Life of America. Uh, my name is actually Nick Reynosa. Okay, Nick, because, Nick, I, I saw that as it looked like that was your last name on your Facebook, and I was wondering, are you, do you have two last names? <laughs> no, no, no. That, it's just a way to indicate that's my work profile. So that's Students for Life of America, SFLA, Students for Life of America. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, my friend, your first time on the show, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Tell us kind of how it all started for you. Give us, like, a bio, all that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, so I'm the Northern California Regional Coordinator for Students for Life of America. Um, I work with over 40 groups throughout Northern California and Nevada um, to fight for the cause of life. Uh, I'm a Marine vet, and I've been pro-life my whole life, but uh, I was working at Stanford as a – oh, no problem, no problem, thank you. And uh, I was working at Stanford as a property manager, and I I was very passionate about being pro-life, and I, I wasn't really passionate about my job at the time, and I ran into the my my predecessor at Berkeley, and she asked me if I could take over for her, and I said absolutely. And I joined the team a few months ago, and I've been traveling around Northern California. I was at Berkeley today, and I'm sorry. No, I didn't say I didn't say anything. Oh no, okay, I I heard an echo. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was at Berkeley today, and uh, we've just been traveling around throughout uh, the uh, the state, and it's been great. Uh, really helping people to communicate the message of life effectively. I mean, that's something I think that the media has been sorely lacking in. I mean, there was actually a comment in the recent Democratic debate. There were no questions asked about abortion. And if the media isn't going to do their their job in that, we as uh, pro-life Americans have to um, take that task into our own hands and be ambassadors to our community and so forth. And um, um, that's something that I think is very important. And um, I, I think that uh, I'd, like, I'd love to get into how we can do that. And uh, But do you have any uh, questions uh, specifically about the pro-life issue? I do. I, I want to ask you, just kind of going back just a little bit, obviously I want to talk about this, but tell, tell us about your marine life, your marine career. Tell us about the, the, the military. Absolutely. So um, I definitely have always been very patriotic and very idealistic and uh, – I always 
you know, like in a uh, movie, this is Spinal Tap, where everything has to be to 11, and that's very much the Marine personality, you know, everything's jacked up to 11, and we're very type A, alpha male type people, and uh, I love that culture, and it's a culture of excellence, and uh, I got to deploy to the Middle East a couple of times, that was a really life-changing experience in uh, 2014, 15, and 16, and got to be a part of the uh, Operation Inherent Resolve against ISIS, and that was a very uh, important life experience for me. Um, I didn't see combat, but I was involved in uh, some intelligence operations um, affecting some targeting over there, and that really helped me see the problems in Iraq and Syria and at the ground level, and I uh, I really appreciate my service, and uh, I'm grateful for it. And even the amazing thing about that connected to my pro-life work is as proud as my Marine service as I am, I'm even more proud of being pro-life because as Marines, you know, we're trained to save lives, and Marines do save lives, but even in a greater sense, the pro-life movement is out there on the ground every day um, saving lives, and that's something that I, I always remember uh, having experience in both. Yeah, no, I love it. No, I love it, and, you know, it it, it is a brotherhood, and, you know, um, how long did you serve for? I served for one enlistment, four years, and two deployments. So you were overseas. What What, what was that like being over there? Oh, it was um, very eye-opening. Um, oftentimes, you know, back in the States, we'll watch like CNN or whatever, and we'll uh, Monday morning quarterback and being there and seeing the workings of the Iraqi government up close and seeing the Iraqi army and the issues, you know, they had up close and uh, seeing, reading the intelligence reports and all that gives you a, a, a appreciation of the complexity and you see the, the, the threats, the creativity of these terrorist groups and, um, I think that that gave me an appreciation, and also not just that, but how despicable they are. I mean, and their targeting of civilians and their treatment of women and so forth. You read these reports, and they're very they they lack they have a deep lack of humanity because they target civilians in their attacks and so forth. And um, that was just I mean I I had those opinions of these groups before, but seeing it up close definitely uh, sharpened those views for me. Were you? Were you attacked? I mean, did you go anything through anything that? Oh was very... no, no, I was working at I was working in intelligence, um, so I was I was definitely safe. I was in the what they call the FOB, which is a bigger bigger area, um, but I was reading a lot of reports from our uh, Marine human intelligence in Iraq, and I was also, um, you know, we were looking. Sometimes we would we would have uh, surveillance and so forth that we could we could get information from. But I, was, I wasn't in any direct danger, but I was reading a lot about the activity on the ground, and we were building targeting packages uh, out of that. So that's, that's what I was doing. And what that must – I mean, that must be pretty cool, reading reports, right? I mean, dealing with the government, you know, you know getting all this information that uh, is very, in a lot of ways, um, confidential and very, you know well, – uh, Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I would just say I would just say one thing about one thing that's upsetting is oftentimes people who are against the war will say things like uh, the, our drone strikes are immoral and so forth and I feel like that comes from a deep ignorance of how the military actually works because we have protocols you know like uh, standard operating procedures and we have to have surveillance on a target for several hours you know and there has to be the military does a due diligence and being careful before they strike, and it has to be approved by a very high-ranking officer. And 
oftentimes these terror groups are using like, you know, like hospitals or, you know, like kindergartens or like these really, you know, sensitive areas that we, we don't want to strike for obvious reasons, which is a clear, you know, war crime to do that. And so um, that makes our targeting operations more difficult. And I, I think that people who are like negative against the war or negative against uh, drone strikes clearly are not, do not know what they're talking about, the complexity of the matter of the targets they're setting up in and, and our diligence in observing them before we would strike them. So I think that that's something that angers me, that, that, that the media doesn't cover that, that got complexity very well, I don't think. Yeah, no, I hear, I hear you. And, you know, you're absolutely right with what the media – uh, does with lying about the, what really happened overseas. They lie about the war. There, there's a lot of fabrications, especially with the liberal media. A lot, a lot of things that are so ignorant. And, you know, they're sheep. The people that watch those channels can't help but to believe it. And it paints this totally false and negative image. But you're a guy that's lived it. And, you know, you're, you firsthand can speak about it because you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's like I, I want people that know about it to speak on it. I don't want some schmuck at CNN giving us his opinion because that's all it is. These people give their opinion. They don't have the facts, a lot of them. I mean, mm. you know, it, it's, it's sad. And I'm sure you have many examples of where they fabricated and lied. Well, what I think, too, is that, you know, I, Iraq has a very – I mean, Iraq definitely has some sectarian problems even to this day, but Iraq's economy has improved significantly since the war began, and there's over 100 newspapers in Iraq, you know, um, leaving aside the, the period when the Civil War with ISIS was happening, there's been, you know, drastic improvements for women. And, I mean, not to say that there is complexity. I'm not going to say everything's been, you know um, – Smooth sailing. That that would be a that would be a lie to say that. But the point is, is that they were under a dictatorship under Saddam Hussein for a long time, and now we're right. seeing, you know, political reform, freedom of the press, e massive economic improvements. And um, I think that there was obviously the civil war with ISIS, which curtailed some of that. But um, I think we should, the media should, you know, paint the cons and the pros, and 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 be fair about it, you know. And mm -hmm. and I don't think the media really gives you that full picture too often. It's just very negative all around. No, I agree. No, I hear you. What one hundred percent? And uh, you know, we're living, we're living in a time where the truth. I mean, the truth isn't even isn't even a thing anymore. It's all opinions. It's you know, it's it's all for ratings. A lot of what these report news reports. Uh, you know, say and to it's it's about being first with a lot of these organizations. It's not really about telling the truth. It's ridiculous. It really is. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, you guys that risk your lives for for our for our freedom and security, you guys are the real heroes. You guys really are. Uh, I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna kind of shift a little bit. Tell tell us about. Uh, this whole pro-life thing, because pro students for pro-life of America is a big organization. Tell us, tell us about all you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. all the good stuff. Students for Life, yeah, Students for Life of America is the largest uh, pro-life student group in the world. We have over 1,200 
student groups throughout the country. We had everything from middle school, high school, homeschool, college, all the way up to law school and medical school. Um, yeah. We have over 20 regional coordinators like myself that split up the states and we're traveling around. Um, and it's so important because about half of abortions occur between girls 18 to 24, that college age demographic. And, yeah. you know, we're providing that alternative option, that voice for life, because you go to colleges oftentimes and they have, you know, direct pipelines into Planned Parenthood and everything is that the colleges will actively take a side. I mean, I think colleges should be a place for free speech and discussion. And it's sad that our universities have taken a side in many of these issues. And uh, yeah. one of the things I'm also very passionate about is freedom of speech, and many of our groups yeah. are harassed. They're and that's a big, vandalized. And that's, a big, that's a big problem on these campuses, the war on free speech. And, and pro-lifers are at ground zero in that. There, we, have, we had over 50 incidents last year of vandalism, harassment, violence, all, all kinds of different things, uh, obstruction, people trying to deplatform people, and all, all kinds of different things. And I think that, you know, the question it really begs the question, what are they so upset about? The right to abortion exists already, and we're just simply talking about it. And the, the visceral response that we get from these people is pretty dramatic. And I think the question, what, what is causing that? And I think there being uh, oftentimes the abortion debate is framed in such straw man terms, like with The Handmaid's Tale and so forth. It's just these ridiculous straw men that when we actually present factual scientific information about the unborn and the violence of abortion, because abortion is objectively violent, um, people get, have uh, extreme responses from it. You know, the colloquial term is triggered, but people can get triggered very easily by seeing this information. And um, I think that one of the things that I'm also very passionate about is helping pro-lifers make abortion a debate about means, not a, de a debate about ends. Because pro-choicers pro make this a de debate about um, ends, like women's empowerment, education, and so forth. But really, it's a debate about means. What are we willing to do, or what are we willing to not do to achieve those ends? Because women's empowerment and education is, is beautiful and wonderful, and we've seen that since the early 80s, women have 57% of college degrees, 60% of master's degrees, the majority of doctorates, 70% of valedictorians are women, um, and uh, we have women's empowerment, but what, at what cost are we willing to achieve that? And I do not think abortion is the solution for that. No, I, I hear you. And, you know, we see a lot of these feminist groups on these campuses and in the streets, these terrible, I mean, you know, what, what they stand for, and, you know, this whole bs of a woman's body she has a right to choose well you know it's not her life to choose it's the kid in the stomach and that's what the left gets so wrong is that they think that you know it's the woman you know and even the left thinks yo it's, it's not it's not a human until it's officially born that's a lie it's a human when there's a heartbeat detected you know what i mean or well, even sooner yeah absolutely one of the things that i do in my um canvassing on campus is I often mention the fact that Planned Parenthood supports uh, prenatal care. So in essence, they believe that health care is a right, and that would include the right to prenatal care during pregnancy. So Planned Parenthood's belief literally is that the taxpayers should fund prenatal care and treat the fetus as a patient when the woman wants it to be a patient, and they should also fund abortion and treat the, the fetus as something to be discarded, also paid by your money. 
So they have an incredibly subjective view of what the fetus is, and depending on what that view is, they believe your money should go to give it health care or to terminate it. And I think that shows the a shocking level of subjectivism. And the, the most dangerous thing I think about the tr- pro-choice movement is it, base, it bases rights on subjectivism. And when you think about throughout history, if you say that someone else's rights, whether that be slaves or women or whatever, is based on someone else's view, that's a very dangerous position for your society to be in. And I think we see the history of abortion is taking away human rights based on a subjective understanding of what that right is. And our rights have to be objective in some way. And so I, I think that's very troubling, and I think pro-lifers are calling that out very effectively. And what are you guys doing to try to cause spread awareness and, you know, try to stop this nine months, uh, you know, the, these Democrats want to kill the baby when, they, when it's born after nine months? I mean, it, you know, the, these so, crazy, outrageous uh, scenarios. We have a multi-pronged approach. So we have our 501c3, which is Students for Life of America. That's our main uh, outreach and education through the colleges. And then we have our C4, which is Students for Life Action. And that's where we go and do into our public policy stuff. We have a program where we have our state captains and college-age students from every state go to their state captain. We actually have a bill right now in California, which is the most extreme public funding of abortion. It's called SB 24, Senate Bill 24. And it would mandate that all health centers on University of California and Cal State universities become providers of the abortion pill. And this is an extremely radical bill. There's no bill like this, even in New York and Illinois, very other, uh, other very pro-choice states, even they don't have a bill like SB 24. And it's actually most likely going to be voted on the California – uh, at the California Assembly tomorrow. So if any yeah. people are listening in California, please call your representatives and urge them to vote no. But um, but this is just an example of we already have 83,000 abortions paid for by Medi-Cal in California every year, and that's still not enough, and they still want more f- public funding of abortion. And the way we fight that is through our C4, which is our political action um group and then we also have our education outreach and we go to over 1200 campuses and we have our um five pillars of activism which is effective education industry impact supportive services rapid response and public policy and through those five mm-hmm. pillars we're helping people be better pro-lifers help women in need and also engage in public policy and those are the ways that we are are, are spreading the pro-life movement I love it, man. I mean, you got you guys are saving this country. I mean, the, the, you guys are, you know, what's needed. I mean, we're we're dealing with a a bunch of situations right now uh, like this that that need that need attention. I mean, this is these are scary scary times. Um, Mike Peters, I'll start with you in New York. Go ahead. Nick, first off, I want to, as Rory did, thank you for your service to our country, and uh, it really means a lot. And uh, obviously, uh, don't try to play down with your part by being in intelligence and everything. I mean, you were on the other side of the wire, and but you were doing also your job. And so it doesn't matter. You got to see a whole different picture than what the guys that were out there running around on patrol then, because you saw the bigger picture, you saw what was going on around them. They, even back in World War II, the guys that were in the trenches didn't see really what was going around with the larger picture. They had no idea. The guys that were in Boston, for example, 
So you're being able to control and deal with the intelligence and everything kept many people alive, many soldiers alive. So you, your job was really important. So thank you for your service. And also, I took a look at some of the pictures of you in action, and uh, I've got to commend you because I see you wearing a suit. Yes, sir. Too yeah, many of our organiz- too, too, too many of our organizations, too many conservative organizations and everything. I've seen guys go out there. Now, I'm very involved with the Second Amendment group, and I tell our people, when you show up at a rally or something else, don't wear, uh, you know, a, a Def Leppard T-shirt. Don't wear camouflage. Don't, this is what they, they want to stereotype us, and they want to be able to categorize us and put us down, the liberals and everything, and they'll use anything they can to twist it and use it against us. And you look very professional, and you're really a great presentation. People judge you by how you look and how you speak. And this, may, this means a big thing. It puts a face on the organization, and you're doing a great job. Now, you're being in Northern California. Oh, my God. I don't know how you survive up there. You're outnumbered, and we, I, we lived in L.A. for 11 years, and I'm very impressed, and I wish you a lot of luck. And Have you ever run into any problems? Have you ever had any counter-protesters, Antifa, or any other lunatics come after you when you're trying to do a presentation? Um, yes, I, I've been involved with a group called Pro-Life San Francisco, and we've been uh, active in showing, showing solidarity with David Delighton because his ongoing trials in San Francisco have been going on the last four years. And I've gone to some demonstrations there, and there's been some counter-protesters, uh, anti-fascist. They weren't like the, the black bot, like ones that are like all masked and stuff, but they were definitely anti-fascist groups. And they were, I was very shocked by their treatment of women there because they claimed to support women, but they were intimidating some, our, our leader in pro-life San Francisco was a woman. So that was kind of ironic and sad. But um, also we faced, um, you know, our Berkeley group has faced vandalism. Um, we had a, 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 a person who was affiliated with a conservative group tabling around our Berkeley group last year who was punched in the face and then he subsequently met President Trump. So we've had, yeah, we've had violence. We've had harassment. We've had vandalism in, in our groups. But, you know, I always think, I always say to myself, you know, the highest mountains have the best views and you know, John F. Kennedy said, we do things because they're hard, not because they're easy, you know, and I'm glad, I'm grateful to work in Northern California because we need uh, pro-life voices here, and uh, I, I always think of Martin Luther King, you know, he did his work in the South, which was the hardest area, you know, and he didn't do his work in, it's letters from Birmingham jail, not letters from Boston jail or letters from Baltimore jail, it's Birmingham, so sometimes you got to go to the hardest places to get the biggest victories, and uh Northern California has been full of victories the last four years. We've had David Delighton's videos that have come out. We've had uh, the Supreme Court decision, Nifla B. Becerra, which was a win for conscience rights for our pregnancy centers. We had Governor Brown veto SB 320 last year, which was the predecessor to SB 24. And we had a religious freedom bill, SB 360, which was removed just this last month. So um, even though we're in, a, we're in a very hostile area, we've had major victories time and time and again. And we're going to keep having victories because pro-life Californians, religious Californians are standing up for their conscience rights and the right to life. And we're going to keep winning. And I'm really excited about that. Well, love time, it. man. You're doing a great job. Thank, thank you for love everything it. you're doing. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Henning, go ahead. Hey, Nick, I just want to say thank you for your service. Um, you know, it's something that uh, we really appreciate. Um, and a, as a former pastor, I really appreciate your stance on pro-life because I'm a pro-lifer myself. 
Um, so, you know, I back you 100% on that. We need to make some huge changes, and we're making strides one day at a time with that. So I commend you for what you're doing. I think I just uh, encourage you to press on, keep moving forward with it, keep fighting a good fight because that's what it's all about. Um, I have a brother that served in the Marine Corps as well, so I'll just throw that out to you. Uh, he, he would say you're his brother because of that. So simplify to you. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you, what you're doing for our country, what you did overseas, as well as what you're doing in Northern California, because that's a tough place to be. My daughter lives in L.A., so I kind of get the whole area. Uh, I understand what you're going through. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, let's let's go to uh, David. David, go ahead. Uh, well, first off, except uh, for Dallas, brother, uh, you know, I'm uh, – Marine myself, uh, did four years. Uh, I do appreciate uh, your stance on life. I will disagree with you when it comes to foreign policy, but that's for another time and place. Um, you know, I'm 100% uh, life, uh, pro-life myself uh, to the point where I believe that we need to take steps, uh, positive steps, to end abortion uh, in this country. Uh, and we need to abolish it. And uh, I think there are a lot of things that we can do, and I, I think that as long as we have people working to uh, end the American Holocaust, um, wherever we may be, uh, I know that eventually we will have victory, and we will uh, stop murdering uh, the unborn. So uh, thank you for what you're doing out there in California. Absolutely, and thank you guys for being so supportive and and speaking plainly about this issue and getting it out there, you're doing the job that the mainstream media is sorely lacking. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, please tell everybody, um, Nick, where they can connect with you, where they can find all the information uh, to get involved, all that good stuff. Definitely. So the best way to just see my day-to-day work is to add me as a friend on Facebook. It's Nick Reynosa. SFLA, so it's N-I-C-K-R-E-Y-N-O-S-A, and then the ending is SFLA. That's an acronym for our organization. And then they can, if anyone wants me to come speak in Northern California, Nevada, I, I don't have a speaking fee. Um, I work for Students for Life, and I can come speak at your school, church, university, totally free. Um, and they can reach me at nreynosa, N-R-E-Y-N-O-S-A, at studentsforlife.org. And I'd be glad to come and visit your area and do some pro-life outreach there. And just lastly, I would like to say anyone in Northern California, there's still time to call their representatives for SB24. And if you're not in California, please keep an eye out for an SB24-like bill in your state because they will copy and paste these laws and bring them to your state. So these are very extreme bills, and, and please fight the good fight in your state if any bill like that comes your way. So, um, And I just want to thank you, Rory, for letting me come on, and I really appreciate what you're doing, and I, I appreciate everyone out there standing up for life and uh, – Hopefully we can continue that on into next uh, next year's election and, and, and continue our success with that. Always a pleasure, Nick. We really loved having you on, and we'll definitely have you back soon. And uh, keep up the great work, my friend. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Take care and keep up the good work. All righty. Take care, my friend. All righty. Great, great guest. Great guest. Um. Got a little bit to get to, um, David. I wanna, I wanna ask you. Um, so, what's going on lately with the campaign? Tell us, tell us how it's going in South Carolina. 
Uh, well, we've got some speaking engagements. Uh, uh, next Tuesday, I'm going to conservatives of the upstate in uh, Pickens County, South Carolina. I'm going to be speaking uh, and taking uh, questions, uh, small town, South Carolina, for about a half hour. Um, we're working on going to a MAGA event in uh, Georgia. I'm going to mispronounce the name of the town because I've never been there. Uh, it's uh, Dolanega, I believe, is, is how it's pronounced. Um, uh, we're going to have a huge MAGA event out there that we're going to be a part of. Uh, going to be on stage for a half hour talking about the dangers of socialism. Um, and when we're dealing with presidential candidates uh, who are talking about Medicare for all, we're talking about um, letting illegal aliens have um, access to all of our welfare benefits, um, talking about people who want to abort children up to the day that, um, you know, when they're in the birth canal, uh, talking about um, stealing your guns away from you, stealing away your gun rights. Um, it's not a matter of when socialism is coming to America. It's a matter of what are we going to do to stop these people? And, um, you know, uh, those are the sort of things that we're facing on the campaign trail. So, um, and of course, we're dealing with Lindsey Graham uh, pu pushing for more and more of these unconstitutional gun confiscations through various means. So, yeah, and uh, tell us, tell us what your plan is uh, to defeat Lindsey Graham, and the first three things you would obviously do in getting in office. What are, what are the three things that are the most important for South Carolina? Well, uh, what we're doing right now is we're running a guerrilla social media campaign. Uh, we're getting out there where people can see us. Uh, we're uh, growing volunteers every day. Um, so we have a volunteer army, um, and uh, we're going to use that because it's a movement of the people, you know, kind of like how Donald Trump was elected. He was not what the establishment wanted um, in 2016. They wanted someone like Rubio or Cruz or Bush. They didn't want Donald Trump. Well, guess what? The people in South Carolina don't want Lindsey Graham. They want someone else, and I'm one of those great options that's out there. Uh, what three things am I going to push for in the U.S. Senate uh, on day one? Well, uh, repealing the income tax, uh, repealing the National Firearms Act of 1934, and uh, honestly, repealing the 17th Amendment, which um, would return election of senators to the states and would help to restore the republic and make it so that you and I can focus on those critters that go to our state capitals so that they, our state legislators, will send someone to Washington who will be accountable to them, and they will be accountable to us. Because right now, no one cares about what happens in Sacramento, California, or Columbia, South Carolina, because they're focused on Washington, D.C. It's all about decentralization and localization of power and returning power to the most important minority in this country, you and me, the individual American. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And 
um, I'm really rooting for you because I, you know, I, I like, I like you. I, I think you're very talented. I think you're the guy for the job. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a big Lindsey Graham fan, you know, in a lot of ways, he's a part of the swamp. You know, he, he's, he's a DC insider, um, you know, and uh, obviously I, I think I know why the Lindsey 2.0 came out because uh, he wanted, he needs to win reelection, right? To, you know, all of a sudden he's Trump's best friend, but a couple of years ago he couldn't stand Trump. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the only reason why he acted the way he did at the end of the Kavanaugh hearings. It's the only reason why uh, when he has made major campaign stops, it's been with Mike Pence, you know, or yeah. when he went on stage with Donald Trump down in Florida when he kicked off his 2020 campaign. Uh, Lindsey does the same song and dance um, every few years. He he spends about four years um, doing whatever the heck he wants in Washington, D.C., going against the will of his constituents, the people here in South Carolina. And then he takes about a year and a half, two years to repair four years of damage that he's done to his reputation. And uh, the problem is that he's been in Washington, D.C., for um, you know, close to thirty years now, and people Jesus. have enough of it, and they're sick of it, and they're fed up with it, and they know that if they vote for him again, he's gonna he's gonna finish up, and he's gonna we're gonna have six more terrible years of Lindsey Graham because he's gonna retire, and he's gonna pick he's gonna handpick his successor. So this is our chance to not just stop Lindsey Graham, but stop the Republican establishment from picking yeah. who they want in that yeah. seat. And so that's why there are a number of people that are running against Graham, and I think I'm the best guy for the job. Well, man, I'm, pray- I'm praying for you. Uh, tell everybody where they can uh, uh, connect with you and uh, get on your site and donate and all that good stuff, get involved with the campaign, that kind of that good jazz. Yeah, absolutely. So you can look me up uh, all across social media. Uh, look for Weichel for Senate. That's W-E-I-K-L-E-F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I have a very small presence there. I don't do much there. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, that's where I uh, post all my uh, Civil War uh, 2.0 boogaloo memes, things like that. Uh, and, of course, I'm on Facebook. I have a personal profile there, and I have uh, – the campaign page there. You can follow me there. Uh, we've got donate links there. Uh, we've got policy positions there. And uh, that's the best way to stay informed is wherever you are, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. And if you're not on these platforms and you want to find me somewhere else, let me know where you're at and I'll set right. up a new platform there for you. Well, sounds good. Sounds good, my friend. And uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. Stick around for a little bit. We've got a couple minutes left. Um, Dr. Hennon, give us an update, my friend. How's the campaign going? You're running for Congress out of Ohio. You're running against Tim Ryan. He's currently a presidential yes. candidate with the, with the Democrats. I mean, he, God, he's such a – he's a space cadet. This guy, he's just I, – I don't understand how a guy like that can get elected. I mean, he's so lost. His stance is. You and me both on that. (laughs) 
Yeah, and, you know, that's what people all over our valley are asking, you know, how in the world has he stayed in for, you know, 17 years now, be 18 years after this term's over. Um, and, uh, you know, the camp- campaign has gone very well. Um, we actually just had, like, over in our Mahoney County, um, I just met uh, last night with the uh, Trump uh, campaign coordinator for our area. Uh, so we're working pretty closely with the Trump campaign. Uh, just moving things forward. Um, I do have a primary, so I've got two other people that are running. One is a socialist, calls himself a liberal Republican. The other one was brought in by uh, the socialist uh, manager to kind of take away votes from me. So that's okay. We're just going to we're just hitting the ground running, and we're just going to be all over everywhere we can. Uh, so we're just hitting it really hard. Um, we've been at. Uh, multiple fairs in the area we go to every function that we possibly can we're doing house meetings we're doing you know whatever we can to do just advance the campaign um and you know we're on social media you know uh, drd hennon at uh, you know on uh, twitter um also on if you look up Dwayne hennon d-u-a-n-e-h-e-n-n-e-n on facebook i'm there um you know and you can follow me either of those places uh and you know uh, just you can go to Hennon for Ohio 2020.com, uh, and that uh, there's uh, ways to donate on, on that, the website there. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're actually just, we're right now just starting to really build up and do some campaign fundraising. We got a big event coming up October 17th with Ricky Rebel, which is, uh, you know, uh, I guess a semi popular um, guy that wore the, the Donald Trump suit at the Grammys. He's going to come into town as a music artist. Um, he's going to actually have a Dwayne Hennon for Congress suit tailor made for that event. He's asked me if he could wear it for the music awards. And I said, you know, I said, you don't even have to ask, just do it. Uh, so, you know, the, the more, nice. the more people see it, the better it is. Yes. So you were just kind of, like I said, we're just moving forward. We're looking at bringing in Brandon Straka as well from the walkaway movement to do a fundraiser for us. So, you know, we're, we're going to hit it big and just, you know, just try to advance this and let's get another one on the team for Trump in 2020. Right. Yeah, Brandon Brandon Strzok is a really good guy. He's been on the show a couple times, and I, dude, I love I love what you're doing. I, I love what you're doing, and it sounds like you're the only Republican in the primary that is pro-Trump. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, it's like the one is very openly, uh, you know, anti-Trump. The other one, he's kind of, you know, he doesn't really come out and say very clearly. And if you're not coming out and saying it clearly, then you're anti-Trump. Because uh, if you're for Trump, you're talking about it. Uh, you know, and we've got to be for those agendas. You know, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-Second Amendment all the way and, uh, you know, pro-build the wall. And it's not something that you hear these other candidates really talking about. They're just uh, kind of trying to mosey along as if nothing's going on. Well, look, under Trump, there's a lot going on. Look at the accomplishments he's made. And if you can't uh, tag up with him, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And, and Tim Ryan, are a lot of people really – uh, sick of him? Has he jumped the shark around there, or uh, you know, um, what does his career look like in the future? I'll just tell you this: that you know, we were just at the Canfield Fair, one of the biggest fairs, uh, you know, probably the second biggest fair in the state of Ohio, uh, outside right. of the Ohio State Fair. And uh, you know, people there. I was talking to Democrats, and and I tell them who I was. We had one Democrat come up to our tent, and I'm standing outside of it. And I just started talking to him. He says, "Hey, I don't mean to, you know, be rude or anything." He's like, "Can you tell me where the Democrat tent is?" So I said, "Well, that's not rude." I said, "You know what? Uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans can talk. You know, so you know, 
I just kind of told him where it was at. And I told him who I was, that I was running against Tim Ryan. He says, good. He said, so took my card, and he said, I'll vote for you. He says, I don't like Tim Ryan anyways. Um, and the girl that was sitting at the Democrat tent is watching their booth. Uh, said that she doesn't like Tim Ryan. So if if your own party doesn't like you, I, I'm not sure what you're doing in office. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, what he's he's even thinking running for president. Um, he doesn't have that big of a following. He, he likes to show up to get his picture taken, a lot of photo ops, and that's about it. Has done nothing for our valley in the, you know 17 years right now, and has done nothing, no accomplishments. We've watched jobs leave. We've watched our economy just crash. Uh, you know, we're one of the lowest in, in the United States. You know, in, in Ohio, I think we probably are the lowest uh, within our counties uh, as far as, right. you know, GDP, as far as the economy, uh, as far as jobs. Uh, it, it's a devastation, and we just need to pull ourselves out of it. And the only way to do that is step away from what we're doing, walk away from it, and actually, you know, turn this town red and let's get it, let's get it done right. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Henning, it's always a pleasure. We are out of time. I do got to wrap okay, up the show, but you. please tell everybody where they can connect with you one more time. Yes, you can go DRD Hennon on Twitter. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E, Hennon, H-E-N-N-E-N, um, as well as uh, you can go to my website, Hennon, the number four, Ohio2020.com. And uh, you can, like I said, you can uh, contribute there. If you'd like to contribute, there's ways to, multiple ways to contribute on, on, on the website. All righty, my friend. Well, we'll have you. We'll have you back next week. Always a pleasure. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and thank you so much. All right, thank you. All righty. What a show. What a show. It's been a fantastic show tonight, everybody. Um, I'll just – announce a few headlines before I go, some things that are happening. Um, let's see here. Yeah, did it, did anybody watch that climate change town hall last night? I mean, that was – what a joke that was. I mean, these these Democrats' priorities are, are totally backwards. Like I said earlier in the show, we're talking about something, you know, that has been naturally changing from – ever since the earth existed. Yeah, the climate's been changing ever since the earth started. There's no special label for it. It's not the end of the world, like the Democrats claim. You know, there's so much hysteria, so much unnecessary drama and BS with this crap. I, you know, I, you see all those w- wimps out there on the left that say, oh, my God, climate change is the biggest threat. No, it's not. Climate change is tied into the world order. The New World Order. There's no doubt about it. The e- Notice who is so e- evol- involved and attached to it. The elites. The evil people. And then they get these sheep to believe it. Scary. It's really scary. They've taken an ideology that is so fabricated and they've fear-mongered so many people. And now people think it's Voters think a lot of them think it's the end of the world, especially the ones on the left. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I am happy that 175 miles of the border wall will be built as of yesterday. Mark Esper uh, put together $4 billion. Big, big, big news. This is huge. This is Trump's biggest promise. This is like the only thing Trump hasn't done for us. He's done everything else he told us he was going to do. The wall is pretty much the last thing. Think about it, guys. 
We are living in the most amazing times ever. This is unbelievable. And we're going to talk next week about big tech uh, and their danger, the dangers with that. They need to break up. They're too powerful. They're too strong. They're too much of a, of a threat. They really are. And what they're doing to people's lives, simply because they don't agree with their ideology. They want to blacklist people. It's disgusting. It really is disgusting. But everybody, that's it. That's it. We're out of time. Uh, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are all incredible. Uh, We have a bunch of big shows for you next week and a lot of announcements. I'm Rory Sodder. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Cheers. And enjoy, by the way, enjoy the first weekend of football. All right. Much love.